afternoon and welcome to the program. We start off this afternoon with some breaking news. Governor J.B. Pritzker a short time ago issuing a uh, statewide public health emergency declaration and actually declaring Illinois a, a statewide disaster area as it pertains to monkeypox. So uh, clearly this uh, particular illness has progressed enough that it is uh, leading to a heightened government response to it. And uh, we learned in the last few days that we are not uh, immune from it here in Sangamon County. We have at least one likely case. To get the latest on that and other big public health issues, we are pleased to uh, welcome back to the program Gail O'Neill, the director of the Sangamon County Department of Public Health. Gail, as always, we thank you for your time. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. All right. Well, let's start with monkeypox. As we noted, we got word last week of one likely case of the virus here. Uh, And now, again, the governor with this uh, statewide public health emergency declaration. Want to get more into that in a moment. But let's just start with the the basic rundown of what exactly is monkeypox? How contagious is it? What do people need to know about it? Well, monkeypox is a... uh a viral infection that spreads from person to person or from clothing or uh, fabrics and materials that have been on an infected person and then placed on the skin of another person. So sharing clothes, bedding, towels, those kind of things could spread this virus from person to person. So that's the one thing we need to remember, that this is not airborne. This is something that um, people have to have pretty much direct skin-to-skin contact to um, to catch this um, MPV virus, the monkeypox virus. So you kind of have to think about that. And people are, you know, contagious that do have this as long as they have the pox or the spots and until they're scabbed over. Now, this is interesting because I I was reading last week uh, that there uh, was at least believed to be the possibility that if you were in prolonged close contact with someone with their respiratory droplets, that you could conceivably contract monkeypox in that way. And I realize it's not nearly as contagious as your standard cold or flu or certainly not COVID in that manner. But but is that, in fact, not a possibility at all if you're just in in proximity with with someone uh, and breathing in the same air? they're breathing are you at risk or does it really have to be that direct contact with either their sores or with something that has has touched their sores right what the way i had heard that described was with a a kissing and i guess a real intimate very close contact and it, it takes a period of time for for this to happen so a you know a brief exposure um some of the exposures are talking about you know sometimes you hear about it three hours sometimes you hear about it longer i mean very close face to face as close as you would be for kissing would be something to be concerned with yeah and uh this has been uh, linked a lot to the lgbtq community we know that we have uh, seen this in situations of men having sex with men and again the the intimate contact that's involved there but clearly it's not just exclusive to that community anybody who's having this sort of prolonged contact or direct contact with an infected person uh, could be susceptible to this. That is true. That is true. And, you know, just because we're seeing that in this population at this point, it doesn't mean that we won't see it in other places. And that's why everybody needs to know and, and to be concerned and prepared for this. Tell me about the the case that we have seen here uh, locally in Sangamon County. Is it still just the one case? And what can you tell us about the condition of the infected individual? Uh, the, the, we had one case last Wednesday that had done locally the tests um, were presumptive positive. They 
send the specimen to CDC for confirmation. So that's where we are with that. This person is, is doing um, better. He'd had uh, his um, rash for a little while before he, you know, got the, the test results that indicated that it was, in fact, monkeypox. So he is doing, he is doing well. And, um, you know, uh, really, we've done our part with contact tracing and everything else. So it's, it's a pretty good situation that he's on his way to recovery. The governor with this uh, statewide public health emergency declaration today, what do you know about what that means in terms of state resources being made available to Sangamon County in terms of the availability of vaccines, which we know in recent weeks uh, the state has been concerned that there's just been an inadequate supply uh, of vaccine. Uh, Is this going to mean additional help and resources here in Sangamon County to make sure we stay ahead of this? I think that's exactly what it means. It it, uh, gives us the ability to kind of share supplies and resources with all the other state agencies and work together um, with, you know, vaccines, with treatments, um, possibly with PPE. You know, we don't we don't know everything we may need, but um, and hopefully it doesn't get to be a a large infection here downstate with most of the cases right now up in the Chicago area. But, um, you know, it just gives us the ability to, to get what we need on both the statewide and federal level. What kind of vaccine supply do we have in Sangamon County and who needs to be vaccinated at this point? At this point, we'd have no vaccine in Sangamon County. Uh, my understanding was that we would, you know, if we had a positive case that would be um, you know, it would be helpful for that person to have it. They, we would get vaccine. Uh, this person that we're, we've dealt with was out of the window for where, you know, period of time where it would be helpful for him. He ideally would need it within the first four days or potentially 14 days from exposure to have it do a lot of good for you. And so at this point, we don't have any vaccine and um, don't have any direct partners that could benefit from that. So I don't know how long it takes to get that kind of vaccine to us if we want it and need it. Um, the state has asked us how to how many doses we'd like of the, um, the therapeutic uh, treatment and because that's something else that comes T-pox and we've requested five doses of that to get us started but I don't know how long that will take so we're just trying to see how things will go and I think this emergency declaration will help us go a lot faster. And the governor's statement says that uh, the state uh, plans to work closely with uh, uh, agencies serving the LGBTQ community because again that's where we've seen uh, a lot of these cases uh, statewide here in Illinois. Will you also be working with uh, organizations serving that population to to try to implement uh, whether it's vaccination or identifying people who may need the therapeutics and, and getting them the help they need? Oh, absolutely. We, we routinely work with, um, you know, the organizations that help in that community and, and focus their efforts on that community. We have, have agreements with, you know, agencies and organizations, so we, we are pretty involved with, with that community. Talking with Gail O'Neill, Sangamon County Director of Public Health, and Gail obviously will continue to watch how this all progresses. Wanted to also uh, talk to you a little bit about where we stand with COVID. We hit a couple more milestones last week in Sangamon County. We're now over 400 total deaths and more than 65,000 total cases, not counting people who just tested basically with a home test and didn't follow up with a uh, medical provider. Uh, And we have seen uh, the numbers um, uh, it looks like they have leveled off a bit in the last couple of weeks but do you feel like we have in fact plateaued are we on a downward trajectory again in new cases or are we uh, seeing a, a, an ongoing upswing 
I think we're seeing more and, and a little bit of an upswing. I think it's from the variant um, that's going around the um, the D4, D5, uh, or B4, B5. Uh, the BA5 is the one they've been talking BA5, about. Yes. Now, uh, and I want to ask you about that because we inquired of the health department a, a few days back and, and we're told that based upon the testing we've seen that only about 10% of the cases locally that have been sent off for testing were coming back for BA5, which seems small because other reports say it's really the kind of the dominant variant now. Uh, have we just gotten lucky or could we, in fact, be facing a, a BA5 surge at some point? Well, we I think we've, I don't know about being lucky, but part of that requires that people turn, send in to the state lab the um, specimens for further testing. And with home tests and with, you know, people kind of relaxing a little bit and not sending the positive tests in, I know they the um, hospitals in the, are supposed to help with sending specimens to the state lab. The state lab ha- asks other healthcare providers to send in specimens. So. I, I don't think we're getting the full picture. You know, I, I know that they've probably had, you know, 10% of what's been sent to them, but there's a big effort now to try to get more specimens sent in because, like you said, um, nationwide and statewide, we're hearing that, you know, it's closer to 80%, and for our numbers to be that low, it's probably an underreporting. Uh, so, um, obviously, uh, the message we've been hearing pretty steadily for months now is your best defense is vaccination. We're at about two-thirds of the eligible population in the county being fully vaccinated. Uh, but vaccines really recently became available for the youngest children, and it seems like that has been uh, slow to get off the ground. What's the update as far as uh, the, the children younger than five being vaccinated? And um, why, why has that not progressed as quickly as it had say with some of the older groups well i'm not sure we've um, been offering it here at our clinic and you know generally get provide a few of them each day but their um, parents at least aren't coming here to the health department with their, their youngest children overall i think there's been more children vaccinated in the age group in pediatricians offices and at, at other you know where they're used to going for their shots and um, so that might be happening there but i don't know if the public is just, you know, not wanting to add one more vaccine to their children um, in that age group or if that's something that, that they're just kind of waiting to see how it goes. Does that give you any pause as we're just days away from uh, the return of children to classrooms? If we have substantial numbers of unvaccinated children in those low grades uh, or even, you know, kids who uh, previously were eligible for the vaccine from uh, ages 5 up through 17, uh, are you concerned that we could start to see this moving through school buildings again in the weeks to come? I think we could. I think that's that's a very you know, likely situation. The schools, you know, with all kinds of illnesses, will be able to exclude children with with symptoms. But um, you know, we may not know. Some schools are set up to those; they can do some testing and get some rapid test results. But not, you know, the vaccination status is something that's um, a, a bit of a concern. You know, with the schools and with with people coming back. I know that the schools will be working to you know do some more environmental things and. You know, try to make sure distancing is available, but we're going to be back in the school and we can kind of expect that there's going to be uh, a spread. I asked you this question off air a little bit tongue in cheek, but I guess I should ask it for real. Uh, as we're dealing with COVID and with monkeypox, are there any other potential pandemics waiting in the wings? What, what else are you keeping your eye on from a public health perspective? Well, we're just keeping our eyes open for everything. We worry about foodborne illnesses always, but I don't think that will be any kind of a big epidemic. We want people to be careful with touching livestock at the fairgrounds uh, when we have the state fair, you know, with, with 
with poultry, those kind of things, and, and swine flu concerns. But those are all just things that we just need to remind hand washing and the things that we generally are worried about. And next, we'll want people to get their influenza vaccinations as well. So we just want people to just try to stay as healthy as they can. And if they're sick, stay home. Your, your team has been so busy in the two and a half years of the COVID pandemic. Uh, how do you cope with, for example, the state fair? Do you have to go out and do inspections of all the food stands and booths and things? How, how much additional workload is the fair for the health department? Yeah, we'll be at the fairgrounds. It's the same work we always do. The envir- Fortunately, our environmental staff that we called into service early on with this pandemic, we're helping with contact tracing and, and everything else that was involved there, um, ready to go to the state fair and to provide safe food. Um, and so we're kind of looking forward to that. It's it's a lot of work, but it's a it's a good thing to see. The, um, make sure that all the food out there is safe and that people can have a good time. I appreciate it with every corn dog I plan to consume this year at the <laughs> Illinois State Fair. Gail O'Neill is the director of the Sangamon County Department of Public Health. Gail, please keep us updated on all of these issues as we uh, see things progress. But in the meantime, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Jim.